0: You're listening to Guat Dot Rocks, God, the World and Other Things. Our mission, Advancing Equilibrium in the Midst of an Agitated World. I'm Kenny Price, your host. I hope you're having a great Christmas season. It's almost that special day that we set aside every year to remember the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today's episode is episode number eight in our podcast series. Today is a part of a special series, mini-series entitled Reasons to Rejoice, and it's the third part. Within this little multi part series entitled Reasons to Rejoice. But again, it's a Christmas a reminder that the Bible gives us plenty of reasons to be happy, to rejoice, and to be at peace. I want to give a shout out before we go any further to uh, a lot of our listeners. I'm excited that we're reaching people in North America and beyond. And a lot of folks in Great Britain are listening, uh, especially places like Liverpool, Nottingham, Wylam. Someone down in the further south of Brazil is listening. Those in France and Paris and beyond. A lot of cities in France have tuned in. Uh, Something interesting in researching into all of this, I began curious as to why a lot of listeners in Great Britain in particular, but come to find out, Great Britain is seeing an an explosion in uh, podcast listening. So anyway, if I can get my words out correctly this evening, Uh, We'll get on with the show, but thank you so much for tuning in. Also, I want to give you an encouragement as God touches you and doesn't change in your life, as he increases that equilibrium in your own life, I want to invite you, talk to your friends about what you're hearing, steer them to Dot Rocks, make an impact in their life as well. It's really interesting to see how the world is taking off in the podcast realm Uh, Some of you may be curious as to how are people listening to our program, and it's cool to see that the top players include Apple, Alexa, CastBox, Google Play, iTunes, Player FM, Echo, Deezer, web browsers, and others. So there's a lot of different platforms where people are finding Rocks, and that really encourages me tonight. Also, the platforms, the main type of devices or I guess you could say the operating software is iPhone, Amazon, Android, and Mac. So it kind of lets you know who's ruling the world right now in the podcast realm. But it's an exciting time to be alive, folks, to be able to engage people through the medium of a recorded message that they can access at their own time period, at their own uh, flow of life, and really be reached, really listen to what's being said, but also to be able to repeat it. Uh, in my day, of course, growing up with just AM FM radio and uh, cassettes and the uh, infamous eight track, you were pretty limited. And so we live in a really cool technological age to where we can have a vast reach and, uh, on a very efficient budget. By the way, I do want to say a shout out to Pippa. They're the people who host our podcast and they do an amazing job. Um, uh, And if you're looking to get into podcasting, I would highly encourage that you check them out uh, because they are a really efficient machine and the tools that they bring to bear, both in the way that we interface with them, but then also on the way that they interface with the podcast world is just amazing. So if you're into that kind of thing or you're thinking about putting a message out, I encourage you to check out Pippa. Uh, You'll be very encouraged. But today's topic is Jesus was born of a virgin. We're going to be looking specifically at Luke chapter 1, verses 34 through 38. We're picking up there. And let me read that first. And there's some opening remarks I want to make that I think are really pertinent. But there in Luke chapter 1, verses 34 through 38, it said, Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? So if you remember, in the verses just preceding this, Gabriel had come to Mary and had made the proclamation to her, that she would give birth to a son. And so Mary's response to that is, how can this be that I've never been with a man? I have not had sexual relations with a man. In verse 35, Gabriel responds, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. So you're talking the greatest proclamation that has ever been made to mankind was received by a young girl, a virgin, A woman, a young girl who had never been with another man, with a man at all, was delivered to Mary. And the message was that you will conceive a child. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And at the pivot point in history, and at the pivot point of Christianity, <clears throat> is the truth that Jesus Christ was really born. The Bible says that, that it makes it clear that he is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that concept is everything to Christianity. It's everything to salvation, and it's everything to the peace of mankind. For you see that there has been no one else or no other entity, be it man or angel, that has ever been incarnate. The Bible talks about at the end times that the Antichrist is going to be fully possessed by Satan, by Satan himself, yet that is not the same as the incarnation. I want to say that again, that at the very end of the age that Satan is going to fully possess a human being and will take control of his mouth, his mind, and his body to carry out his evil deeds. But that is not incarnation. There is only one who has ever become flesh and dwelt among us. To incarnate is a divine act. It's an act of deity. It's an act of the Almighty God. And so the incarnation of Jesus Christ The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, becoming flesh to dwell among us is everything. Everything rises and falls on that truth. There are some today in the so-called Christian realm, and I say so-called, because if in fact they deny that Jesus really was born, and if they deny the fact that Jesus really was born of a virgin, and if they really deny the fact that Jesus is God incarnate, then they're not Christian. They may call themselves Christian, but they're not Christian. They're, like the Apostle Paul says, they're preaching another gospel. It's a false gospel. Because for salvation to occur, for redemption to occur, there had to be the injection of something pure and holy from beyond into the contaminated world. And keep in mind that the entire created universe The Bible says that in Adam it says that in Adam all fell that the entire world was corrupted by Adam's choice to sin to take that which God had commanded him not to take and to eat of it and so keep in mind that everything rises and falls on the virgin birth so before we get into the Excuse me, before we get into the topic specifically, I want to read you something that I've had in my files for some time. All I know, and I've tried to research who this is, but uh, I got it from a publication called The Gospel Standard. I really don't know what that was. I can't remember. Uh, But I want to go over this excerpt that I pulled in my studies, but it talks about the virgin birth. And first of all, the virgin birth is an essential doctrine of historic Christianity, Christ did not have a sin nature. To be the perfect sacrifice, as Jesus was, required that he be free of sin. Yet Christ had to be fully man. The virgin birth solved both of these requirements. Christ was born of a woman so as to be the fully man, yet was born as as a result of the miraculous intervention of God by means of the Holy Spirit, the result of which was that Adam's sin nature was not passed to Jesus. That's paramount. The second thing it goes on to say is that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and his deity are inextricably bound together, linked together in scripture with his identification as Emmanuel, that's translated God with us, and as the unique son of God, and I'm going to say more about that in the podcast to come, is the declaration of his virgin birth. Christ's deity and his miraculous conception and birth cannot be separated. Either both of these are fact or true or neither of them is true. If Jesus was not virgin-born, the Bible is not the inspired word of God. If the account of the birth of Jesus is falsehood, then he is not the Savior. No other conclusion can be drawn. The Old Testament predicts the virgin birth of Christ. This is again from the Gospel Standard. In an early chapter, the Bible prophecy is given concerning the virgin birth of the Redeemer. In the Garden of Eden, the Lord God said to the serpent, This is in Genesis 3, verses 14 and then 15. But the Lord God said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, in other words, tempting Eve, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It's a well-known biological fact that the seed emanates from the male, not the female. Thus, when God declares that Satan's head should be bruised by the seed of the woman, He excluded the male element from the birth of this one who should come forth from the woman to defeat the devil. The Redeemer was to be virgin-born. And finally, in the Gospel Standard, they go on to say the necessity of the virgin birth of Christ. So if Jesus was not virgin-born, then he was born as other men and inherited a sinful nature. In such a circumstance, he himself would have needed a Savior. But he was absolutely sinless. There was no sin in him at all. Furthermore, in order for Him to be the Redeemer of mankind, it was necessary for Him to take on human form. Only as a man could He die for other men. Again, bear in mind His deity. Our Lord was perfect in His his humanity. He is also perfect in His deity. He had to be born supernaturally, and so He was. From every consideration, the revelation of the Scriptures, the sinless and perfection of Christ's person, And logic itself, there can be no explanation, but that which was prophesied about him, testified concerning him, and demanded of him is true. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And again, I say this is paramount to everything. And it's tragic today that in some circles we have people, I actually had someone who was in a key significant spiritual leadership role in a denominational organization that I was a part of, which I, immediately remove myself from that we got into a discussion it wasn't an argument but it was a discussion in the parking lot of his offices and uh, there had been a debate within the denominational uh, enterprise regarding uh, the validity of scripture and the inerrancy of scripture means that the scripture is without error and he um, said to me that Kenny what does it really matter What does it matter and let me stop right there but if you heard some music in the background uh, that was coming from my computer i apologize for that but hopefully that didn't come through but i heard it in my headphones so back on my thoughts so this individual and i were talking in the parking lot and uh there was this liberal faction going on people that said that the miracles of the bible weren't true and i come from a conservative background and theological position where i say absolutely if there's a god who can speak the worlds into existence that the presence of miracles on the planet is absolutely possible and true. And he finally looked me in the eyes and with great confidence, he just grinned and he said, Kenny, what difference does it really make? And I looked at him and I called him by name and I said, it makes all the difference in the world. I just said, if the things that we're talking about are just some sort of moral stories to give us an encouragement, then they're meaningless. That everything that we have based our faith and trust on is hopeless. And the apostle Paul, in one of his writings, he makes it clear that if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, and if all these things aren't true, then we're of all people to be most uh, miserable, to be thought low of. And so today we talk about the fact that it's true. Jesus was born of a virgin. It means everything. But Mary asked that question. She said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now keep in mind, Mary was not questioning the the work of God. It was focused on the fact of this event. She couldn't understand how it was possible. How can this thing thing be that I can become pregnant? Because she testifies, I haven't been with a man. And so, first of all, the Gabriel, first of all, Gabriel reminds her about her cousin uh, Elizabeth and that Elizabeth was long past the childbearing years. And actually, he talks about old Elizabeth and her old age, that she's pregnant and that she's actually six months along, And she was barren. And so we remember the angel points to the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and who would give birth to John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner, who would be the prophet, prophet to foretell the coming of the Christ, making his path straight but she said, how will I know this for I am old, talking about Elizabeth. But the bottom line is, if you know, she says, how will I know this back in verse 18 for I, and it's emphatic. She says, for I, I am old. And Zechariah, when he's told that this is going to happen, he says, well, how can the wife of me? So all this focuses on me and mine and I, but the bottom line is that With Mary, she said, how will this be? The focus is on the event because I've never known a man. And that means that I have not been with anybody in the past and I'm not with anybody now. So it's something that has been and it still is. Gabriel very quickly and succinctly puts it to Mary that Mary, the answer is God. It's the complete work of the Trinity there in verse 35. He tells Mary that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you that he'll be the son of the most high God and that the most high God. And so there in that brief description of how you see the presence of the triune God, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, all coming together to make this miraculous event come about. And how's it God going to do it? It's by his miracle working power there in verse 35. Again, it says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And to be honest, folks, we don't really know what this means. I mean, we know in basic terms what the words mean. It means the idea of coming from above. It's used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And again, it's the same concept of this coming down from above. But it's a benefit. It's upon you. It's a favorable disposition that God is placing upon Mary. But it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be very careful when we describe this work because it is not the act of some sort of a demonic uh, element. Uh, I don't know if you remember the, uh, the uh, Reebok shoes, the incubus. And at the time that they came out with this women's running shoe, they named it the incubus. And as soon as I heard that, I was appalled. Okay, Because if you study what the incubus is, it is the concept of a female who receives the demon seed. And actually, it portrays the concept of a woman having intercourse with a demon. It's, it's anathema. It's God forbid. God has departed from that. May it never be. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is a side note, but you have to know that the people at Reebok researched the name of the product actually a student pastor that worked with me on staff at one of the churches I've been on staff with that uh, his father worked for Pontiac and uh, he was actually the lead design engineer on the Pontiac Aztec which was a miserable failure but Stephen was quick to point out that the uh, he was the design engineer on the interior of the car not the exterior which was the failure and so anyway but I asked Stephen Why did so many of the products come to be named like XG7 and just numbers and random alphabet and random stuff that made no sense? And he pointed out the fact that one of the struggles that companies have in naming a product is naming it something that uh, does not conjure up images in people's minds that are negative. And so it's a great challenge. So with Reebok, you had to know that one of the major shoe, running shoe design houses in the world, to name uh, the launch of a woman's running shoe called the Incubus, they absolutely knew what they were doing, and to that I say shame on them. But what a horrific concept, and how insulting to woman. but yet in the fact of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary, it was absolutely something that was divine but in no way, shape, form, or fashion was it the concept of deity having intercourse with a human being. That is that is heretical. It's evil. This is something other that we don't fully understand. But we know that the Bible says that's how it happened. There on in verse 35, in the middle of it, it says that the power that's going to come upon you, that it means especially the power that works miracles. It's the same word used in Galatians 3, verse 5, it says, Does God give you his Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? The bottom line is it's God power. It's resurrection power. It's life-giving power. And then finally, in the last part of 35, it says that it shall overshadow you. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. And it's a mysterious expression for that which enabled Mary to give birth to the divine child. And so the bottom line is it's a miracle working power of God. And then Gabriel goes on to remind Mary that this is going to happen because it's a divine appointment. It's going to happen because the, the Trinity of God is at work. And that also because the bottom line, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And he points again to the, the, example of Elizabeth. And he says, in fact, look, old Elizabeth is also pregnant, the one who was called sterile. Of course, Elizabeth would become pregnant through her relationship with her husband, Zechariah. And so Gabriel, there in verse 37, gives the summary. He says, because nothing is impossible as far as God is concerned, that this is not a thing. And so the reason we can rejoice today is the fact that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus, and his name is Savior, one who saves, and he came to save us from our sin, and he did it through the real act of being born of a virgin, and he did it so that he could offer us salvation because he did live the sinless, perfect life. He did die as an atonement for our sin, and he did raise to offer us new life in him, if we would only accept it as a free gift that he offers. And so my friend today, that's a really good reason to rejoice. That's a really good reason to be happy. And that's a really good reason to allow our souls to be at peace. That allow this to sink into your heart and mind today at the core of your being and know that Jesus is real. He still exists at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says ever to make intercession for us, he offers us salvation today through the call of his Holy Spirit to our hearts. We can do that by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God has raised him from the death, from the dead, if we will only believe. And so this is a great time to be alive. Jesus is alive. Christmas is real. And so I want to encourage you with that today. As we wrap up today's episode, be sure to check out the show notes. There you'll find hyperlinks to our podcast home base, the Christian Standard Bible, also the hyperlink to our ministry's website and how you can support, support this podcast. Also the email address if you have questions regarding anything that you've heard on any of our podcasts or if you just have a spiritual question that you would like someone else's opinion on. I'll be glad to read your email and respond to you as soon as possible. Please, if you can, keep your questions brief. Until next time, my friend, have a Merry Christmas. I bid you peace.